Okay, right, thanks everybody for coming. Um, really, it's a, it's a sort of an effort by the committee, really, I suppose, to uh, instigate a bit of interest, perhaps offer something a bit different on Wednesday evening to try and get a bit more uh, f uh, uh, footfall through the door uh, of a Wednesday evening. So this is the first of a series um, of things that we're going to do over the next sort of six weeks or so, really, to get us through the, um, the long uh, sort of uh, nights. So what I thought was uh, we could talk first of all about about really about the relationship I suppose between power and weight. Um, so I'm hoping now that Nick is going to remember to click the down button when when I what should I say, Nick? Do the switch. What's that? Go to Denver. Go to Okay, go on then. Okay. So I, I don't know if anybody would disagree with this. Really. I don't know how you can, hopefully you can see it, okay? Yeah. But most of us, I suppose, right? We want to be two things, I suppose, at least when we're on the bike. We want to be probably as light as possible, and we want to be probably as strong as possible, right? So there's a lot of interpretation, a lot of different ways of thinking about strength on the bike. Sometimes we talk about a certain person, oh, you know, she's a strong rider, or he's a strong rider, um, and that means different things to different people, right? So you've got to start to try and um, build up your own real understanding, I suppose, your own thinking about what that strength uh, or strength means to you, right? That was my first attempt at humour, and it's failed miserably, so I'm not going to do it again. You've been So, so we want to be as light as possible generally, and we want to be as strong as possible, right? whatever, whatever that means to us, I suppose, in a given context, right? So, what I thought we was, we talk about just, you know, uh, um, how to become lighter, I suppose. So we will have a look at some slides around that. Um, and then how to become stronger, like whatever that means to us. Like we can all understand lighter, probably stronger. Like I say, there's a bit more interpretation in that than what that might be. And then we'll, um, I'll try and summarise and try and draw together, see perhaps what I don't know ideas that we might have going forward. And then perhaps we'll have a quick question and answer um, at the end. And if there's any hard questions, Ed's you at once. Okay, next go to Dendron. So. Common training mistakes, right? And I've seen this, you know, I've been involved in cycling for, you know, a few years, uh, and quite often, you know, I think the average, and the average club cyclist obviously doesn't apply to everyone, but generally we lack direction, right? That's kind of on every ride, unless somebody tells us where we're going to go. By a garment, right? Unless somebody tells us where we go, sometimes we don't know where we go with. But more generally as well, right? If I was to say to people, most of you today, you know, you know, what are you going to try and get from the 2018 season? Mm, you know, you might say, oh, I want to go a bit faster, or I want to do better in that event, or whatever it might. I want to ride further, and those goals are quite vague enough, right? So the idea of trying to develop a, a direction for yourself, I think, is really important. And lastly, then men to having no real priorities. Right? Now, again, one of the pitfalls we used to fall into years ago, and I think it's less so now, but I still see it is, people kind of just repeating the same year, the same training year all the time. And it shouldn't really be a surprise. And if you repeat the same training every year, you get the same results. You're not gonna kind of rev, you know, revolutionize your results by doing the same thing, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, sort of thing and also in having real priorities. So perhaps, again, looking ahead, perhaps not necessarily something that we're great at, but looking ahead, perhaps six, nine months, so I'm thinking, ah, I want to do that particular ride at that particular event on that particular day, 
and, and, I want, and, and if I achieve it, I know that would be success for me. Right? Just that idea about trying to develop some, some ideas about what your priorities are. Thirdly then, training the wrong stuff. Right? So uh, sometimes people say, oh, so-and-so found a killer workout. They've been looking on Training Peaks or Cycling News or GCN or whatever it is, and they swear by this uh, training routine, <coughs> this training session, and that's what I'm going to do. But it, that may actually work for that other person, because they may have a completely different physiology, different anatomy, different interests, uh, and so on. Right? It might work for them, but it might not necessarily work for you. So again, trying to encourage you to have a think about, uh, there is an old adage, uh, train your weaknesses, raise your strengths. Right? So identify what those different things are. What, what have you got in your toolkit? That's a, a real strength for you. Um, and how uh, can you maximise it? And then, you know, conversely, then how can you train in the areas that you think that you need development? Fourthly, then, bringing intervals in too soon. Sometimes that's a mistake that people will make. Um, fifth, my daughter in the house, she's studying sports therapy. So one thing she said, tell everybody to rest more. One of the things which Daisy's introduced me to over the last couple of months is the idea of all the different energy systems, not only energy systems, your, your body systems and how they work. Often I've thought, oh, you know, I've trained perhaps three days on the bounce, and my muscles are tired. But actually for us, as we get older, there's other tissues involved in there. The tendons, the ligaments, all those other structures, which might need, lo need, which might need longer to recover. And as we get older, I think we do get better at knowing ourselves. But that was an interesting idea there. So that idea about uh, us not taking enough rest. My bad. Yeah, what did Okay, so so in relation to power, um, there's there's this idea of developing strength, right? And again, years ago, um, you'd have people, you know, the old kind of uh, uh, um, racist people. They'd sometimes do perhaps like big ring only rides, right? So I'm going to go out, I'm going to do four hours, I'm going to go over the bulk and the Rigos, and I'm going to keep it in the big ring or all day, right? and, and for them, that was an idea of developing their strength, right? What the current theory talks about is that that's, that's really the wrong way to do it, because you're not actually making yourself your maximal strength uh, any, any greater, if you like, right? You may be developing other energy systems, but you're not making yourself stronger, okay? So that idea about doing very, very much shorter, uh, big gear intervals is part of uh, is part of that developing strength, really, which we probably all should do because, again, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But power is a function of strength and speed, right? So if you're not strong, you're not going to be, uh, and if you don't work on your strength, you're not going to then later on in the season be as powerful as you could be as if you had developed that strength. So again, you need to think about that. If you think, oh, okay, I could do with being a bit stronger, then have a think about how you can build some of that strength work into your, uh, uh, you know, into this kind of current uh, training cycle. The next point then about speed, like I say, you know, power is a function of strength and speed. It's just the ability to be able to perhaps produce a lot of work quickly, right? And again, uh, one of the things I'm going to talk about, which I talked about in previous. Uh, sessions that we've done is about polarised training, right? Too often uh, what we find is the average club cyclists will train in the middle of their intensity zone. So say they're going to ride for two hours, they'll ride probably about as hard as they can for two hours sort of thing. You end up, you're not going as fast enough, 
to really make yourself quicker, uh, really, it's not really having any kind of maximal impact on your speed or your strength, right? And also, you're not perhaps um, developing your endurance system as much as you could because you're in that sort of no, man, no man's land, right? Um, so again, if you want to try and develop your strength, if you want to try developing your speed, then really target those things, make them a priority for a month or three weeks. Uh, and there's lots of examples. I'll give you some examples uh, in the handout, actually. Have a few. Now, I think the last time I gave handouts out, everybody started reading the handouts and ignored me. <laughs> so if I do that tonight, now, will the same thing happen? No, I won't. Yes. Yes. yes, a bit, right? So I'll plow on and I'll give you, give you these little bit, right? So, so, so think about how do I make myself stronger? For me, that's I do, I do sort of short intervals um, in a big gear up a steep climb. 20 revs, and that's it. Okay, I did. Huh? Yeah. So that's how I, I would talk that personally. You know, speed. Then again, do high cadence, high cadence drills and so on, right? But do them at specific times of the year, for example, um, to be able to to uh, maximise your power. Strength should come first. Right? So we're in a, this time of year now, probably a good time to be thinking about making ourselves stronger. Okay. Yeah. So that's the example. So go to Denver now. Okay. So next step, you know, priorities, right? So you need to think about, is it about aerobic endurance? Most of us are pretty good at that. Most of us can probably go, you know, probably all day if we drink enough coffee and eat enough cake. You know, um, we're probably okay at that, right? So you might want to think about some of the other elements <coughs> of, of these uh, components of fitness which hold us back, right? So you might be able to anaerobic endurance. How much can we kind of tolerate <coughs> when it gets hard? I mean, that's the difference between racing and so on. Right? One of the things which is the research has found is people who are really, really good at racing, road racing and so on, they can spend a lot of time quite comfortably uh, in that anaerobic endurance area. It's one of the things which makes, which uh, differentiates uh, really successful elite riders and also Andrew, and also the amount of time that they spend training in that area as well. So again, quite often we lack strength. I see people all the time, we go out on, on club runs and, and stuff like that. And, and, and it's almost a kind of festival about who can sit down for the longest. You, know, you get to a hill and it's like, oh, who can outsit each other? You know, and then it's kind of almost a sign of weakness sometimes when you get out to the saddle and so on. Um, so again, that's something which we have. And as well as our legs, you've got to be able to support your weight with your arms, haven't you? Right, you know, that's a, a kind of skill set we should we should be developing. So don't be afraid to practice that as well. You know, about get, kind of getting out of the saddle, uh, using your arms and uh, honking. It used to be called. What's it called now? Is it still called honking? You don't see people doing it as much as it used to. You've got all these, you've got these easy gears and combat chain rings and all that, and you don't see people doing it as much as you used to. But I would suggest to practice it anyway. And again, then that idea about power. You know, how often do we really put the hammer down? Right, whether it's in training or racing or whatever it might be, quite often, like I say, we end up, we, we, we ride in that middle uh, uh, sort of zone too. <coughs> and then muscular endurance and flexibility, they're all things that can limit our performance. Okay. Uh, so I put, I put this up, and, and again, it's, it's well, well known. There's a page which I haven't put into the PowerPoint, but there's a page on the Cycling website where, for those of us who've come along to the, the turbo training, uh, like we've done on a Tuesday, uh, um, uh, we've done a sort of uh, threshold test. You know, where you can do plug the, 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 the number that we get doing that threshold test into the Cycling website, and it'll work out all these training zones for you. Right? 
it'll work out all the zones for you, which is quite helpful, right? Um, and again, one of the things, hopefully John will, will sort of back me up now, one of the things that we've been trying to do in those turbo sessions is to get used to managing our heart rate rather than the other way around. John, would you back that up? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That idea about being comfortable and you actually More kind of controlling your heart rate rather than the other way around, right? Um, so that's important. Um, so yeah, so there are some, some kind of recommendations there about how long you should be spending in each sort of zone, right? So again, what we've talked about with this, this idea about polarised training, right? what that suggests is that we should be doing probably 80% of our training up here. Right? So if, it's 10, if we're doing 10 hours a week, we should be doing 8 hours a week in this sort of area, and then probably 2 hours or, or so in that sort of area, roughly. Right? And then you'll be developing your, your aerobic capacity as well as your anaerobic and your strength-based uh, uh, capacity then. Right? We're not going to go into that. Like I say, you know, if you're interested, have a look on the British Cycling website. There's loads of information on there. Plug your heart rate in. Uh, your your, uh, um, your uh, 20 minute heart rate, if you like, your, your lactate threshold heart rate, and it will work all these zones out for you. Right? And that's the other thing, they're all individual, you know, you can't kind of compare, because when we're down here on the turbo, somebody's threshold heart rate might be 142, somebody else's might be 162, somebody might be 182. That, that's irrelevant, they, they're only really important to you, so you shouldn't really compare those values at all, really. Um, but this, what's important is these kind of percentages. Okay, uh, Okay. thanks. If you can, rhododendron, sorry. Uh, yeah, so there's some example workouts then, right, for each of those kind of um, uh, uh, zones then, really. Um, again, you know, intervals of three to six minutes at 90 revs and so on. Um, speed on a downhill slope, for example. So if you think, well, okay, you know, speed's a bit of a, or leg speed, right, the, the, the speed that you can contract your legs. Some people who sit on a club run, they're quite comfortable, you know, cadence, perhaps 75, 80, perhaps something like that. Sometimes people will struggle when it gets a bit quicker. So if you think about that, yeah, that's me, I'm a bit of a diesel on that front, right? Think about that then, okay, how can I put some speed work in? So, you know, for example, on a downhill slope, over a minute, build up to a maximum cadence, whatever that is for you. Push that envelope a little bit, hold for as long as possible, recover for a few minutes, and then repeat it several times. Right? Also, sign sprints, for example, right? Saturday morning rules, we call that, when we go down a Saturday morning run, right? Sprinting for signs. It's encouraged. Um, but think about that. If you have, a, if you have a, a, a training ride, a route that you use quite often, is there somewhere, again, if you think, oh, okay, yeah, speed, you know, leg speed, that, that my co contraction is an issue for me, you think, oh, okay, is there a downhill slope I can use? Oh, is there a slope I perhaps, you know, take a couple of minutes, perhaps? I think about that and ride it again and again, do it three or four times. I ride, you know, get down, recover a little bit, ride back up, have another go. I get used to get used to t kind of taxing that system maximally. Right, just on that road, you know, you can perhaps finish a ride or go and have a coffee or whatever it might be. So strength then, right, so moderate hills, several hills, you know, uh, about 6% perhaps, up to three minutes long, sit in the saddle, pedal from the hips, empty revs. There's a link in the, in the PowerPoint to a GCN workout, uh, Dan Lloyd does it there. Uh, and again, that's a big year workout, you know, for developing strength. I'd encourage you to think about doing that sort of thing. As I say, now perhaps for the next couple of months, really. Uh, okay, rhododendron. So you can have a look at those at your at your leisure. Really. 
So there's loads of information on the British Cycling website. A lot of us pay pay our membership, right? So there's lots and lots of resources there. Like don't reinvent the wheel. They've explained lots and lots of different things, lots of example sessions and stuff on there. Right? Just have a look. Um, beginner strength exercise for cyclists there. Like I say, this I think is a 40 minute workout. I don't know if anybody's used GCN. They're really good. They don't require you to have a heart rate monitor or anything. You just set your turbo up. Um, you know, watch it on the on the laptop or your iPad or whatever it might be, and they'll kind of talk you through it, um, and in a non-American way, which is good. Uh, okay, rhododendron. Yeah, okay, good, good. So yeah, so this idea of polarized training, right? Quite often, like I say, tendency is to ride in the middle, not quite as hard or as fast as we could do, and not as easy as we should do, perhaps either, right? So I'd be in, in favour of doing that eighty percent easy. And then that twenty percent then above the lactate threshold, or you know, around that sort of area, to to, to get a, a healthy profile in terms of, of how we should be riding. So as it says, the tendency is most rides middle of a given pace. So if we're going out for an hour, we might go fast as fast as we can for an hour. If we're going out for two hours, we might go as fast as we can for two hours and four hours and five hours, and then we wonder why we can't ride the bike till Thursday. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of that sort of scenario that tends to go on, isn't it? So again, have a think about what we're doing, right? So the suggestion of polarised training is to train either to develop aerobically, as it says, about 80% then up to zone 3, uh, and then training 20% at zone 4 and above. And again, controlling it, right? There's a difference between riding and training, isn't it, right? So if you're going out on a sociable group ride or whatever, have that in your mind, you know, enjoy it. However, you know, if you want to develop some of your areas for development, or you know, some people might call them weaknesses, um, then they might be better off than on your own. Or a small little training group, two, three, four, five people perhaps, similar objectives, gives you that bit of encouragement, doesn't it, this time of year to get out as well. Um, so again, have a think about that, right? Uh, and then, as it says, in this way, there's enough opportunity for you to rest, recover, and develop this capacity of your aerobic system by training the 80% and your anaerobic system by this 20% at level 4 and above. Right? And again, what, what kind of Team Sky seem to be doing is they, they train in two or three day blocks, then they have a day, a day off then, and then they'll do another two or three days and, then, and so on. Uh, okay, yeah, so this is about weight now. Was I going too slow then? Sorry. Oh, okay, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, so, so wait, now I put this up and I did a bit of research and I started to cry then and I didn't know whether to, uh, whether to leave it in or not, but I put it in there just as a sort of benchmark for us really, right? Um, so it says, yeah, elite riders average 2.15 pound per, per inch of their height, uh, so you know, 11, 11.5 or whatever it is for somebody who's 5 foot 10, um, females average around 2 pound a week per inch of height and maximum around 9 stone for the 5 foot 5 riders. Uh, I, I wasn't going to you know, point at anyone, but you can do the maths for yourselves, isn't it? You know, you know, in terms of, of, of power to weight, right? Because, as you say, weight's really important. For everyday riders, then, you know, like us, uh, our optimal weight might be different. You know, years ago, um, you know, we, you didn't really talk about weight so much, you know. I mean, I'm looking at John now too. That probably wasn't something that we talked, you know, that was talked about so much then. It was all about the training side of life. You know, you were the size you were. You stand store four. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. So, so you were the size you were. When was that? When you were, when you were 14? Well, it was 20, 20 cents. Were you? Right. Yeah. 
So you were the, you were the size, we didn't, I, I don't think, anyway, we didn't used to focus on that so much. It was all about the training <coughs> side of it. But now we know it's actually the weight that you're carrying around makes so much more difference, uh, so much of a difference for us. And that's why it's become more, more, more of a focus for us. Right? Um, so as it says, our optimum weight may differ. Right? Depends what job you do, doesn't it? You know, lots and lots of variables in there. Right? Um, it says depending on your health, your performance, your energy levels. Um, and the average is around 15 to 18% body fat for the average male, and perhaps it's about 10% higher for the average female rider. Um, Juliet suggested bringing sugar tongs down and testing people. Uh, it's above my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> perhaps we can get somebody, somebody to do it, perhaps to have a look uh, if people are we can you know, do some tests as well as we've done before. But it's this lowering body fat is the key. So I know we've started up the weighing club, which is great. So losing weight probably is a good thing, uh, you know, in general for us as cyclists, you know, generally. Um, but actually the key is losing the body fat, isn't it? So how to kind of metabolise that, how to burn that off um, in an effective way. And as it says, that will increase your capacity then. You'll be able to, um, you know, function much better than if you're not carrying a load of metabolically inactive tissue around you for fun. Uh, I was thinking of another name for it myself. Did you like that? That was a great You can have that. You can have that one. So that's that's the trick for us. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, in terms of specifics, then, right? And and I think I took this from Cycling News. It made sense to me. So as a bit of advice for you. So improve the quality of what you eat. Like there's a lot in the press about it at the minute, isn't it? Cut down on processed food. Like that's their first uh, recommendation so improve you know eat your food as fresh as fresh as it possibly can be right balance your energy sources again back in the day and it, this is a little bit about fashion they used to tell us we'd 70 percent of our calories as carbs right if you're an athlete that was the recommendation it's kind of completely flipped on its head now isn't it towards protein and perhaps less so fat right but but get a balance right think of that eat well plate the five, you know, food groups and so on. <coughs> Make sure you get plenty of colour on your, on your um, plate, so it's not tomato sauce and brown sauce. I don't count, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, plenty of colour on there. Uh, time your calorie intake. Again, the research differs on this. Find out what works for you. If you work shifts, or if you, you know, if you're out of the house early in the morning, you know, time that calorie intake. I was reading an article just before coming out now about when, when's the best time to eat carbs. Counterintuitively, what they were finding was there's better to eat them in the evening. Right? That's kind of what you wouldn't I think. Read that too, yeah, you wouldn't think it would do. But again, they did say that the results were a bit tentative. But you know, find out what works for you. There are other people who say you, know, you should eat at least 50% of your carbs before uh, of your calories before lunch. You know, they say eat, you know, eat like a king in the morning, a prince in the afternoon, and a pauper in the night. You know, that's the, again, that's the, that's the old adage that, that people think about. Managing your appetite. Now then, Mike Beaton's got a, got a trick on this. Mike, do you want to share your trick about managing your, um, <coughs> your uh, appetite for us? Yeah, water. I have a, I tend to have a pint of water before a meal and a pint of water straight after a meal. And uh, I find I don't eat so much. So quite often what we find is, right, this is what the research says, right, quite often we confuse hunger with thirst. 
right? Our body interprets thirst as us being hungry, and we, we eat then because we get moisture from our food. But I think keeping ourselves more and more better hydrated is a good strategy. Uh, okay. So timing your calorie intake, managing your appetite. Uh, train to burn fat, right? And again, there's a kind of like a, the debate we've had about this, or the discussions that we've had about it. You need a balance of, of, of different intensities to be able to do that effectively. Right? So, okay, you know, as a percentage, right, of your total energy expenditure, you may be burning more uh, more fat if you're in the endurance zone, say, what zone one, zone two, right? As a percentage, yes, but actually, uh, as a gross amount. That may not you may not burn as much fat as you would perhaps do in an hour at level four in terms of the gross amount that you burn. Okay, uh, and then I, I like this one, so I'll, I'll dwell on number six for a minute. This idea about measuring yourself. The article I read talked about if you want to weigh yourself every day. It was kind of saying not not to become obsessed. That's what I meant. You can do, can do, <laughs> right? So measure yourself every day, weigh yourself every day. Um, I, I would suggest every week, right? Not to get too obsessed by it. So every week, right? But the interesting point, which I thought made sense uh, in this particular article was, every fourth weekend then, do yourself a timed climb. If that's what you're interested in, right? If that's one of the things that you want to develop. So as well as weighing yourself then, to pick a climb as much as you can, you know, with your fair, you know, fairly sheltered and so on, you know, you know, specific, measurable, one that's not going to move and stuff. Uh, and then, right, that was another attempt at humour. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then every fourth, <coughs> every fourth weekend, then ride it. And and again, you can plot that then with your with your weight, right? and it gives you a real world measure. And so, as well as just instead of just just measuring your body weight then, you're actually measuring performance as well. That was quite an interesting one. And again, something to train for, something to look forward to then, isn't it? Okay? Um, yeah, order then, very good. Uh, okay, so yeah, reaching your optimal cycling weight, train clever, eat smart, and avoid common pitfalls. Uh, again, you know, we're so efficient on the bike, most of us. We can go out and ride for five or six hours and burn, like, if we don't want to, burn, I don't know, 100, 150, 200, 250 calories, whatever it is. Virtually nothing. You have a cake and a coffee, you've taken in more calories and you've burned off. Right? So again, being sensible about that. Even if we're on the bike for five hours, we might feel famished by the time we get wherever. And we might get to the fridge. I, I have fridge moments. I don't know anybody else have fridge moments. Then. When you get back off the bike and it's like, ah, pull up a chair, sit in front of the fridge. You know, you feel, oh, I've got to eat whatever. But actually, you may not have burnt off that many calories. And we, we forget that. Right? So it is important for us to be realistic about how many calories we're burning and what and how and when we're taking them in afterwards. Uh, okay. Yeah, so again, this body composition idea right, is really, really important. Um, again, something to think about in relation to, to strength, obviously, to power and to ultimately to performance. Right? So work out what works for you. For some people, they're really careful. As it says, this is, I put this down for me now. I am some people. right? So for me, I'm pretty good six days of the week. I'll, I'll, you know, I won't overeat and stuff like that. I find that easy to do. On the seventh day, and I just eat anything. 
eat, drink anything, whatever. And that's that's my that's my way of being able. I can, I can kind of hold it for six days, uh, and then I have to have a bit of a blowout then on the seventh day. So it works for me. Work out what works for you. Now, you know, creating that kind of you know, energy balance if you're interested. Uh, I'm the reverse of that. I work for a day, you know. <laughs> We're all, all work in progress, aren't we? Uh, okay, yeah, so progressive overload. Uh, so when you're training for something, as it says, right, you're tra training, you should have four phases. Uh, yeah, don't do the same thing every week. Like this idea about progression, like building on from one week to the next to increase our capacity to do stuff. So as it says, for a typical road season, uh, this might be like, you know, recovery, right, October, November. We are good at that in the middle, yeah? I mean, we, we are, we're probably world champion recoverers. Oh, yeah. Right, I think, we're, I think we're epic. We can knock it out of the park, right, to use an American analogy. And then pre-season then, like perhaps December to February, right, so again, how are we kind of preparing to train and stuff like that. Early season. So, so here, really, now, we should be thinking about doing that strength work, perhaps off the bike as well. And it's great that Sarah's done, you know, uh, um, pain cave and stuff like that. Um, I think you know, more of that type of thing we should be doing realistically, uh, all of us. Um, uh, but a mixture of that and strength work on the bike, again, follows links earlier, I think is a good thing. Here then we should probably think about developing some speed, so bringing some of those speed work sessions in. And then here then, to get in that balance right between really kind of sharpening the edge for us really in terms of our specific events, our specific targets, and getting the rest right. And again, perhaps we can do something later on about tapering and stuff like that. But tapering off your, your, your training and stuff and preparing adequately for peak events is really, really important. And quite often something we, we get wrong because we're not brave enough to do it properly. Yeah? Uh, so, yeah, progressive overload. So, again, what I'm saying is now go out and practice being strong, people, you know, weeks. But do it progressively. Don't go, you know, immediately now smashing... Uh, you know, 5311 everywhere, you know, don't, don't do that, do it progressively, build up so that your connective tissues types of things are still in the, in the right place uh, at the right times. <laughs> Work out what works for you. Index finger release. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, right, so work out what works for you. Like, work out what those areas for development are. What are you good at, you know? If somebody said, hey, what's, the, what's your strengths? Be comfortable with those. Somebody was to say to you, what are your areas for development? You know, have uh, a think, be honest with yourselves about that, and think about, okay, how can I target it? Then, you know, I, this idea about developing a training plan, which contains a balance, a, a mixture, isn't it? Get the frequency right, get the intensity right, get the duration right. If you know you've got 10 hours or whatever it is a week to, tr to, to train, then, you know, get that balance right between socialising, between, between training hard, resting and recovery. And I think, again, one of the things that's in the literature a lot at the minute is you're better off doing, I don't know, two, three, four, four rides a week rather than one long one, isn't it? So, you know, think about that, about how you're, you're kind of integrating that into your, into, your, into your life, really. And again, ensure enough recovery time, rest and good nutrition. And we heard from Peter Herbert about that before. I mean, was it last year or the year before? He did that talk about high intensity interval training and stuff like that. And his recommendation was, for was it over 50s, should train every fifth day? Yeah. yeah. Again, interesting, you know, interesting, isn't it? Interesting uh, uh, research. Uh, yeah, so include some high intensity sessions, 
Again, 80% easy, 20% hard. Be consistent. Again, there's no magic bullet workout. There's no kind of magic session you can do which will make the world beat you know? It is about doing things consistently, getting into good habits and so on. Um, and as it says, you know, work out all year round. Um, yeah, and then carry out some, some strength training in the off-season, really. I haven't gone into watts per kilo and stuff like that, because I thought it would be probably irrelevant for most of us, because not everybody's got access, including me, access to a, to a power meter, for example. But in terms of principles, these are the things for you to think about. You know, think about what's, what's a good weight for you, um, think about what your strengths and weaknesses are, and try and identify some key sessions then that you can build into your training, uh, which will help you to target those um, <coughs> those weaknesses, really. Uh, I think that's it, is it? Can you, can you ask my wingman to check? Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. So, anybody got any questions? Ed, stand up. <laughs> All good? All good, excellent. Yeah. No, awesome, thanks for listening. And yeah. if there's any questions, just uh, ask Ed. <laughs> <laughs>